Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. Have you gotten a little bit of a warm spell? Do you get that itch to get in the garden and get to planting? Or do you even not know when to plant? Well, we're going to break that down for you today, and we're going to give you the telltales to tell you when you should start planting in your garden for spring, right here on the Backyard Gardens Podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, Batavia, have you ever been just absolutely fooled by the weather or anything else to plant? Oh, I thought you just meant in general, like going out in flip flops when <laughs> and then it snows later on in May. Um, I'm sure that's happened. I, I've been pretty good about not getting out there and get caught with, you know, without my snowshoes from a planting well, perspective. So that's one way to look at it. But how about this? Have you ever missed it? Your opportunity to plant. And get out of my head. Did you see my finger go up? <laughs> I saw yeah, it as soon so, as I started speaking. <laughs> so um, while I haven't lost plants based on kind of getting out too early, I definitely have, in hindsight, delayed planting unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have too. And actually, 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 last year was one of those years for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I could have planted early. Same. But we're not here today to tell you to plant early, okay? Let's let's take it down a notch, everybody. <laughs> We're just here to, t- to tell you what can kind of activate that and tell you when you should start planting or, excuse me, planting your garden. So um, let's start with zones. Let's just get that out of the way, okay? So first of all, know your zone. And what does your zone tell you? Uh, ultimately, it's, I know you hate this question. Yeah, well, I generally hate the probative. Let me give you a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you and put you on the spot to ask you, although I already know the, the answer. Um, so, but still being obedient because it's New Year in New Batavia and answering the question. Love it. It's going to tell you the lowest temperature um, in your area, right? You know, so right. I believe my zone 6A indicates my temps on average will be a low of, I think it's negative five to negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Um, mm, so I just threw up in my a, mouth a little bit mm, when you said that. I just threw up in my mouth yeah, a little no, bit when you said no. that. <laughs> I feel a little nauseous. It has nothing to do with not eating lunch, but, um, and it's a great help when it comes to determining kind of what's perennial in your area. Um, which brings me to the note of, I, I think we misuse zones. I, I know I've been guilty of it, kind of what it impacts and, and why I need to know it. So that's my answer. Well, yeah, it, it definitely perennials, it helps completely. But the reason why I bring it up is because, first of all, I know there's a lot of zone creepers out there. And if you don't know what that is, I'm going to break it down for you. It's the people that look at somebody growing something, they're like, what zone are they in? And then you see what zone they're in and you're like, I got it. I know how, you know, I know their situation, but the, the deal is the zone doesn't just break down your overall weather. So it's not like, like my zone eight is different than Johnny's zone eight in Oregon, 
because we'll get up in the 90s and they may not get out of the 60s mm-hmm. for three months longer, but their lows never get down that low. So there's the whole zone speech. And if you're in zone five, six, seven, eight, or nine, which basically covers all of the United States, except for all you lucky zone 10 people, um, you know, you can tweak all of this stuff to fit your zone. If you're before Batavia, who is zone six, then you just go a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And if you're after or before me, you go a little bit later. And if you're before me, you go a little bit earlier. So there's that. But and the reason why I bring it up is because the seed packets have the zones mm-hmm. in them as well. A lot of my seed packets, um, although they're trend, some companies are transitioning away from that. Yeah, you know, some of your bigger um, companies um, are they have a map of the U.S. and yeah. so they may not necessarily um, list your zone, but there's a color coding that says, "All right, you know, this is the time frame." Um, the The zone is interesting because the garden zone is interesting because some gardeners won't be impacted by it at all. You know, yeah. I mean, more years than not, I didn't even know what a garden zone was or what mine was. And based on kind of my short window of gardening, it didn't matter. I was putting a garden in in June and basically I was done with it by the time September rounded out and we had it into October. And those time frames were stable, let's say. Yeah. Right? Well, and the reason one reason why I bring it because the most often comment on my YouTube channel, which is nasty, by the way, is I don't know what zone you're in. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what zone I'm in. It matters what the weather is outside, which is the crux of all of this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter because, I mean, what's the temperature where you are right now, Batavia? Uh, 30, in zone six. <laughs> As of the recording of this, it is 30. No, it's 49 degrees. I got to go, man. I need to be outside. See? 49 so degrees in... Fahrenheit, but it's overcast. So Batavia's Body temperature doesn't register 49 degrees, as an FYI. Well, and that's perfect, because I'm in zone 8A, Mm -hmm. and it's 57 degrees here. So there's not that much difference between Mm -hmm. you and I right now, right? So so the zones matter overall, but they don't matter for growing food necessarily. Is that, you think that's safe to say? The impact they play um, is a small piece of the garden puzzle. Um, there is some bits of heartbreak that could be introduced if you're not familiar with it. So going back to your very opening, know your zone. Know your zone right. and know how it's going to impact what you garden with, how you garden, when you garden. So the important thing to know is to know your last frost date. That's the important one to know, right? Agreed. And it's and it's important to remember that this frost date is not set in stone. It's an average over I don't know, fifty years or something. I don't I don't know the exact number. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's averages and you can go to websites. Um, Batavia's favorite website in the whole wide world, better than anything else, will probably tell you. Um, timeanddate.com. Reach out to us. Um and some of them will even break down by percentage. So you'll get multiple last frost dates. Mm-hmm. So you'll get one that's a 10% last frost all the way up to an 80% of a frost. So you can kind of play with that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's out of the way. Now, the third thing is going to be plant what's appropriate for the time of year. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So let's sit on that for just a second, if you don't mind, (laughs) because I I feel like a new gardener for sure can have a misunderstanding of like, oh, it's not going to freeze. We're good. We can start planting, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just going to use the Holy Grail tomatoes. But we know that tomatoes won't thrive or I mean, they could even be stunted or from these cold evenings even if down to like what what do you think when a seedling goes in the ground let's just call it 40 maybe i think it's going to suffer once you get in you know down to 40 you know high high 30s right so you, you start looking to see that now and let me i'm sorry let me interject i don't have personal experience with that because i've never gotten out there and put a seed right. a tomato seedling in the ground because again remember i'm not planting until july that's in you're part typi- true. <laughs> <laughs> you're typically later mm-hmm. anyways in your planting. And that's why a lot of people actually wait until weeks after their last yeah. frost date to plant certain things because they want the soil temperature to warm up. Mm-hmm. 
Nighttime temperatures to... Nighttime mm-hmm. temperatures, yep. So nighttime temperatures are what really drive the soil temperature, in my opinion. Because once they start getting warmer, then you can kind of... The soil will continue to hold that that heat longer mm-hmm. and longer throughout the day and build. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that. So let's say it's January right now and you're itching to get out in the garden. What are you going to, what, what should you be ready to plant in the coming weeks? You think cold, hardy plants, final answer. Let's break that down a little bit though. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I happens mean, when seriously, you ask there's questions. <laughs> yeah. There's that old Batavia sneaking mm-hmm. in. Yeah. I sneaking felt it, in. but Hey, <laughs> but there's, there's parts of, there's different categories of cold, hardy plants right Mm -hmm. so for me the first thing i'm going to put in is onions and then it progressively gets more and more to cabbages um broccolis turnips uh, rutabagas stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then you get into your lettuces or kales are before that too and then you start getting into your lettuces which are more tender but they can still take a frost yeah well so those are things that you're transplanting right yes so my almost all of my root crops i'm going to direct sow. i may just play around with some carrots and containers um, but i wouldn't even like the the container would just move outside um but for me i actually um just because i love it i'd be starting um lettuce which probably will be one of the last things that go out kind of in that cold hardy family because they're not the hardiest um you know but if i just add a couple to what you noted um spinach you know which is one that kicks but i still have spinach that has a, a few true leaves on it that i sowed over the at some point in the fall of last year that has been snowed on you know top of the soil frozen and it's still like i'm here yeah so um it can do the job um so that's probably one more that i'd add to the list of um things that i even plan on transplanting you know i'm going to start some spinach indoors yeah and i mean that what kind of spurred this conversation a little bit is, well, I don't want to take it from you, but what did you tell me just before we started recording? I'm so glad you gave me that note. <laughs> when these episode ideas as, you know, kind of behind the scenes come up, Ben is notorious for remembering the conditions the topic came <laughs> up in. I have, there have been countless times where I've come up with a topic and by the time we get to the point of planning for the recording, I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. He's like, you know, that was your idea, right? I'm like, tell me what else did I say around it? But anywho, um, I told him just before the start of this podcast that my in-ground beds have not frozen yet. The ground is not frozen. Um, And that's that's important. Now, I also told him that I don't remember going out in specifically January previously to say, all right, this year it's frozen. But you'd think you'd think around this time. So the telltale is if I don't have a ground that's frozen in February, there's going to be some funky business going on weather wise. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, so there are a lot of thoughts that I had immediately when I put my hands in the soil when it wasn't frozen. And that's a, a part of why we're here today um, because that could get you in trouble. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you think is, well, winter's over, you know, I mean, look over Christmas, we had 16 degree weather here, mm-hmm. 14 degree weather. And then two weeks later, a week later, it's 70 degrees, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it hasn't really been all that cold here. We're having a little bit of a cold snap now. And it's funny. Everybody asks me, because, I mean, if you don't know, now you know. I'm like a weather geek. I love weather. But everybody's like, what's the temperature going to be? Are we done with winter? I'm like, we ain't done with winter mm-hmm. yet. There's no way. Now, me personally, I could be done with those really deep freezes like that. But even still, like the daytime temperatures aren't going to climb that high. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really, as a gardener, we need to look out for. And so that's why... I don't recommend people setting a date on their calendar and be like, this is the date I'm going to plant. Mm -hmm. Let me go out and plant my seeds today or my transplants or whatever. I I don't think that really works out well because my date to plant my onions is January 15th. And we're just before that right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking out into the weather, seeing what is going to be the most comfortable for them to get in the ground 
and maybe get a couple days of decent weather mm-hmm. to get them situated before you add that stress back onto that plant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, the stress of transplanting a plant, it doesn't matter how gentle you are, you're, you're going to stress your plant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the scraping of your knee, right? You know, that wound could heal, but if you keep on opening up that wound... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, gangrene. No. And so uh, when it comes to um, kind of this January period I'm in now, if I look back on my weather um, and I could make some, you know, assertions around how high or low temps got last January, I generally, when it comes to this kind of talk, don't go back more than a year. When it comes yeah. to average last frost and average first frost, I do kind of keep track of year over year over year for a period of time. Um, but if I look back at last January, we had some peaks of 40 degree temps. I feel like at this point, kind of we're recording now mid month, there were a lot more cold days, but to, I countered Ben's uh, 14 degrees Fahrenheit. We definitely got down to zero over multiple days. And I'm sure the top of the soil at that point was frozen the top. Right. But these continued 40 degree days and 40 degrees for a good right amount of time. Right. That led to that thawing. Um, And the key, though, is in three weeks, I could be in a different situation. Right. So that's the reason why if I had transplants ready, which I don't that I am not putting anything out there. Now, transplants are one thing. I'm probably going to get out the earliest that I have ever. And so things like peas. Um, much earlier and even with the idea of it's definitely going to be before my last frost date and even with the idea of eh, another hard freeze and soil freeze could come around I'll just take the chance yeah exactly I remember when I lived in New England um, in the middle of January every year there was something called the January thaw mm-hmm. and I remember I remember clearly going like getting up and be like wow it's 70 degrees awesome and then I go out and I go hiking or whatever and um, all the locals up there, they knew what it was. They knew <laughs> that around this time period, you would get this one week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, every year I lived there, it was always the same time period, roughly. But it fluctuated. That's the key is it fluctuated. But it got really warm. And then right after it, what happened? Winter came rip roaring mm-hmm. back in and it was miserable. And it was miserable for a long time. But for me, being from the South, I was like, oh, I'm, it's, this is game on. Like, I'm fixing to get out here and start planting and doing all this stuff. And that was not the case. So, you know, you, you knew that. And I'm sure people listening know this about their area. There's something like that. And then next thing you know, Jack Frost comes mm. roaring back. And then, you, you know, you're back to square one. So it can be very tempting to get out there and want to do something. But staying vigilant and really looking at your forecast out really helps you. I mean, because you you are actually pretty on point on top of your forecast, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not a, uh, as big of a geek for weather, you know, so I'm not digging into the science, but I am digging into kind of the specific temperatures, the trends, the length of time. I also, I don't do this religiously, but just based on the nature of me capturing things on my phone, pictures and videos, I have a good point. I can see... Um, while I can find out how much snow we got in February, I can look on my, you know, through the interweb, I can look at my phone and say, yeah, you know, it was all good in January. Then we got our last big snowstorm in February. Yep. Right. You know, and so some crops will be fine, but not a whole bunch. Like if I had a whole bunch of starts out there because I wanted to get out there early, then we got six, eight, ten inches of snow. A lot of those are going to be goners. Um, I have maybe a handful on one hand. I can count uh, the crops that will basically assert that they can survive in the snow. You'll see them peeking out in the snow. A lot of those things are going to be dead, dead, dead. Yeah. You know, and um, the weather has been very odd this year. So I will tell you this, everybody, in the Midwest in February, there's supposed to be a big polar uh, front move way down south so uh hold on to your britches for that one <laughs> especially you batavia i was just reading uh, on one of my weather websites the other day about it so you know that could be possibly something that will unfold but i know last year so my last frost date's like i think it's like april 17th and last year i had a guy come by my house 
and he was going to buy some tomato seedlings, so he said. Turns out he was just a looky-loo, but that's a different story. So he comes over, and he's like, man, I have my... Um, he was from Boston, so a dis- very distinct accent. And he was like, I'm, I, um, I planted my tomatoes like a month ago. And I'm like, man, you know, for me... I would never plant my tomatoes a month before the last frost date because I know in my area, usually around Easter, we get one more frost every year. (laughs) So I usually don't put my tomatoes in, you know, until after Easter. Um, And it seems like every year that happens. But this guy did it and turns out, as far as I know, I've never talked to him again, so I have no clue. But we never had a frost after like March last year, I don't believe. It got pretty cool, mm-hmm. but we never really actually got a frost. So technically, you could have gotten out there a little bit earlier, but I would rather be safe than sorry, personally. Yeah. I have uh, two people that I, one I know personally and another I know kind of through the world of social media, um, but they both plant probably a month earlier than I plant for my summer garden. So they have tomatoes in their garden easily a month. And so mine is sometimes around mid-May, you know, maybe, you know, probably more like late May. Right. And so in these cases, both of them are planting, you know, our average first or last frost date is right around yours, to be quite frank. So that's something like, you know, April the 18th or 19th. Um, and they'll get their summer plants, tomatoes planted out by the end of April. Um, and it's very hard for me to even imagine that, but I've watched them over the years. Um, and, and the internet is saying mine is April the 17th now. Um, and I've watched them over the years and I'm like, dang, can you send me a reminder when you go out and plant? Cause I, I want to be out there with you and, and planting mine. Um, the only reason why I don't beat myself up about not getting out early and you want to get out early because the idea is you'll get to the point of, you know, being able to pick vegetables sooner. Right. You know? Um, and the only reason why I don't beat myself up about that is I'm still not convinced. I've not done any testing on this on my own how much of a gain you really have. If I plant a tomato in my garden on April the 30th, and then I plant a second tomato, you know, on May the 15th, in those two weeks, you know, the temperatures are climbing up. Will those the May 15th plant catch up with April 30th? Maybe. Right. You yeah, know? that's a tough one. I don't but you I know mean, what that's. A- I'm so curious about it. I'm sure there's someone that knows the answer. So curious, but there are like a hundred other things I'm more curious about. Um, and it could just be I tell myself the lie that they, they're probably going to catch up, which gives me a pass. And, and it's OK that I plant, you know, mid-May. But I don't think you're totally wrong, because if you put a plant out too early, one, it's going to stunt it. Mm-hmm. It could. So it may it may not even grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. could. And then two, it's going to grow slower because it's not in that ideal temperature range. Mm-hmm. So I don't... I. It would be interesting if you tested that out this year. I'm not going to test it out, but... I actually may. Um, Depends on how things go. I, I may. My intention in that instance, and we've skipped ahead to summer, is I have been starting enough plants, specifically for summer, where I would have, if I started out in, the, let's say, if it's April the 17th, let's say that I said April the 17th, all right, I'm going out there April 17th, putting something in the ground. A lot of people don't do that, but let's say I did that. And then let's say that I waited even a month later, May 17th, right? I'll have enough starts still yeah. to be able to go back in a month later and put another plant in. And the, the idea, and this is the same thing that these gardeners that I'm um, connected to, they recognize they, there may be loss, Right. You know, and so they they roll the dice, you know. And so um, the part I'm not familiar enough with is detecting if something has been stunted because it's not as far as I can tell, it's not always obvious. You know, so that's a part. It's not obvious until it's too late. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So I looked up on almanac.com, which is that the farmer's almanac? Oh, don't get me to lie. There are two versions of it. Like I think, is there? Yeah, there's like the okay. farmer's almanac, the old farmer's almanac, and then the al- almanac. I'm just I'm on the same place you're on. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so I looked up mine, and my last spring frost um, is March 26th, as a matter of fact. And so, if you read down, this is key. You got to read down. <laughs> keep going. 
And you read and it says that a frost date is the average date of the last light freeze in spring or light freeze in fall. So a light freeze is 29 to 32 degrees. Um, and then it kind of, you know, the classifications go down from there. So each place you look at will give you a, and I mean, I've found multiple dates for my area, you know, anywhere from apparently March 26th all the way to like April 21st. So now typically speaking in my area, I know that my frost date can be earlier than later. So I do know that, but there's always that chance and you don't really want to waste your time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that brings us to, well, hold on. Let's not go there yet. I have some comments about the page you're on as well. Uh, go ahead. Um, so I was looking here. I went down and, and continued to read. And um, the dates now are a calculation based on 91, 1991 through 2020. So that's why my dates have shifted just slightly. Right. So I'm at April 17th for last frost in the spring. And then I'm at November 1st through first frost in the fall. And the dates were like one or two days um, later or earlier that I've been looking and working from um, and then I also want to comment on the probability I know you love this bit so it's a 30% probability for those dates that that would right. be the last or that would be the first and then I think you know I love these kind of bulleted lists your light freeze that you mentioned from 29 degrees to 32 degrees Fahrenheit they give you a note like tender plants are, are going to be killed like, it's your job to figure out what tender plants are. And then I'm yeah. going to let this last comment because just the, the phrasing of it. So moderate freeze, 25 degrees to 28 degrees, wildly destructive to vegetation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think that, of course, there are tools out there. I would would not be um, hoping for success if I have 25 to 28 degrees Fahrenheit and I had a tomato plant out there, I know that I'm going to lose, you know, and again, I I took a risk, I'm sure. And I recognize that, okay, here we are. This is the problem with it. And we've not at all touched on steps you can take to increase your chances, warm up your soil, increase your chances of planting earlier. And I, I, I don't know that we're going to go there. Um, I was. Okay. Well, go ahead. I was going to get there. Okay. Yeah. So I do want to say this. So the first fall, uh, first fall frost for me is November 13th. Now I know every single person listening to this remembers in October last year, how there was that freak cold that came down and it was early, you know, so that, in itself, right there changes the whole dynamic mm-hmm. of this. And we've mm-hmm. seen it this year alone. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen, and most people have seen their zone numbers tested this year. But wait, you know? your first frost is in October, but that freak cold came down in November, didn't it? I think it was just before um, Halloween. Mm, okay. I think. I don't think so. I know that it was before my frost date. Okay. I know that much. Okay. All right. Um, but I, I think that um, there's a mixture of, I mean, there's so many people in the South that are just like, you know, it, it, it felt like it was like blizzard conditions, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know, and so I'm giving you all some, uh, some, uh, some grace because I know that it's just not your norm. And that's the exact key. Like, it's not your norm. And right. so something like what you guys experienced in the fall was devastating. You know, I thought it was in between that period of um, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, because, again, when you guys were experiencing it, that's when we got to our coldest here in Chicago. Um, but I think that that's that's you could look at that and say the same uh, potential risk you could face in the spring. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you you have you have multiple options here, and one of them is like you alluded to, frost protection. So frost protection goes a long way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's exactly what it says it is. It's frost protection. It's not heat added. So like a low tunnel, mm-hmm. a simple low tunnel setup. You know, a couple of PVC pipes and a piece of plastic will definitely keep the frost off of your plants. Now. If you're planting warm or weather plants, if they're established, like let's say you you were, you know, you looked out and you're like, hey, I'm going to plant two months early because it's not going to be cold and you've and it's consistently been good, good, good. And then the plants are getting big 
and then all of a sudden you get a cold. If you put that frost protection over it, it will help it get through the night. But it, you know, so it, that frost won't build up on the leaves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other key to it is the next morning, that sun is going to heat up in there a lot sooner and allow that plant to recover very fast mm-hmm. versus, you know, and that's what I noticed in like that big freeze we got was everything that was covered or in the greenhouse recovered better because it was able to warm up in the in the the next day because you know it stayed pretty cold here for a couple days and even like at the in that big in that i don't know call it big freeze but the freak freeze we had you know i threw a towel a simple beach towel Mm -hmm. over my uh, tomatoes and they made it you know and it got to like 33 degrees i think we didn't quite get a frost but you know that it could have been 33 two right there Mm -hmm. but it didn't allow the frost to settle on the leaves and so that's why farmers will for instance run their sprinklers all night on their crops and something like that happens because it keeps the freeze away i never heard of that um and it's interesting because um you know when we were talking about the frost protection I, i only have one bit of frost protection in my garden and it is two layers and I'm now convinced there's probably a family living under some of the plastic which we'll talk about in the future um and a varmint family I might had um but it is a um row cover which if I remember that particular grade is said to protect down to 28 degrees Fahrenheit and there's another six millimeter layer of plastic on top of it and I all have some feedback on kind of what I where I went wrong with how I apply those pieces Um, but the first time we got down to 14 degrees it was just like it hit it I was up at 1 a.m. I saw it and then it started climbing again you know and so I came out you know and I looked underneath the cover and you know the next day or the day after that I'm like look at this things are living right you know and so um but I'm I'm pretty cautious right I'm not as trusting in the garden and with the weather and so I said huh let's see how this continues to go and then the bout that we're talking about when everyone in the U.S. had some experience with um, inclement weather it was 14 for a few days you know that's how it started you know yeah and then and I'm not even thinking about protection at zero degrees but 14 for a few days is very different than 14 for you know an hour um, and so all of the things that I looked at and said, go ahead, show who you're working with. Yeah, yeah they're done. <laughs> so they're, <laughs> the top layer, let me say that the top layer is done. There may be some roots that are still intact and I'll only find out, you know, how they do if I leave them in until spring. Now, let's talk about something applicable. I can't I hate that word to this time of year. And that would be like planting um, your cold hardy plants so Mm -hmm. it it's it's hard to believe if you've never done it but there are plants that can live through a frost and even a freeze and even a severe freeze there are very well some plants that can and so these are the things that we need to be focusing on Mm -hmm. to plant early so um you know a problem that i have in my area is when i talk to people people don't understand that in fact in January you can start legit planting stuff Mm -hmm. that you know and putting them in your garden so essentially if you know what you're doing you can get four extra months of planting in my area honestly you can get six or seven extra months of planting in my area because you know what plants can take cold and then even adding a layer of frost protection on top of them can speed things up. So for me, for instance, like cabbages, if I don't put my cabbages in early, I'm not going to get cabbages in the spring and it's already a crapshoot if I'm going to get them or not. So Why it's is that? just kind of because it'll get so hot here so fast and it may only get up there a couple days, but the problem is it tricks these biennial plants, which is what a cabbage is. A lot of your greens are, um, it, it tricks them. So within that season, from late winter into spring, we can very well have 80 degree days Mm -hmm. and then we can have 40 degree days. We can have 60 degree nights and we can have 25 degree nights. So the plant will start to think it's been two years. How stupid can the plant be? I mean, really? And then it'll start to bolt. 
So we have to be careful. So you have to know when to plant these things, you know, like potatoes, for instance, like I'm going to plant my potatoes in about two weeks from the airing of this episode. So, you know, knowing that instead of waiting until it's like, okay, it feels nice outside. Like some of the best gardening, in my opinion, happens when it's cool outside. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think let's take cabbage as an example. The earliest, and I don't have a ton of experience planting in the spring. This is, I think, the fourth year, third year, one of those. Um, But the earliest I've planted cabbage uh, has been April the 4th. And uh, that first week of April, but I've also planted cabbage midsummer. So I'm actually mm-hmm. in a pretty sweet spot in my area. And I'm not yeah. saying in zone 6A, I didn't say that. But in my area, I'm in a sweet spot um, because the times I've planted cabbage, they've continued to form ahead going into summer. Right now, broccoli is a whole different conversation. But for cabbage, you can look at kind of the difference between young Ben and myself and his window is a much shorter. And so it definitely lends itself to get them out there earlier. Now, for me, I still think there's value in me planting earlier. So one year was April 4th. Another year was probably like May the 4th. And all that's doing is taking up more space in my guard. That's a month difference where I could have had something basically picked and then replanted, you know, if I would have followed that April 4th calendar. That's where I'll be around this year as well, maybe a little bit earlier to see what happens. Um, You know what happened to me this morning? What's that? I went and checked out my broccoli seedlings and they looked at me and they said, you ready to watch me bolt? Go ahead, stick me in the ground. Watch how fast I can bolt. That's, I mean, it's like yeah. every year. You know what I mean? Because it's just not heat. It's also the stress of the, you know, hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, f- when I was in uh, New England gardening, and I think I was in zone five or six. I can't remember. I don't really care anymore, to be honest. I should, but I don't. Um I could plant stuff just like you for the most part. We would get hot in the summer, so we would have issues. But I was really, then I was just like a summertime gardener. I wasn't really Mm -hmm, pushing, mm -hmm. but the spring lasted so long up there. Yeah. Like you had plenty of time to plant a lot of different things like lettuces. And it's like lettuce has no chance to make it in my area unless you plant in shade or something like that in the summertime. So... You know, thinking about these things and knowing them before you go out and really looking at these forecasts and and know this. If you look at your, first of all, Weatherbug is the worst app ever. I swear it just gives you based off averages. But if, you, if you're looking at a 10-day forecast, 10 days out is a stretch to get an accurate forecast. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. But between three and five days, you can really start to narrow it down. So just keep an eye on it every day. Go ahead. Say it again. Three to five days. Is that the part you want me to say? Well, the whole thing, but go ahead. Okay. So 10 days is a stretch. It's really hard to forecast 10 days out. But three to five days, you can actually get a good idea of what's going on. And you'll you'll start to see, if you start now, you'll notice that the temperatures don't really change all that much, as well as like the precipitation chances and stuff like that. They won't be changing as much during those time frames. So as much of a technological world we're living in, and everybody thinks it's all fine and dandy, weather is one of those things that has not gotten very much better in, you know, forecasting our temperatures and stuff like that. Especially when we're in the extremes of those seasons. So summer, you know, if it's going to be in the 90s, 10 days out, the forecast is saying it's probably going to be in the 90s. Right. But I wanted you to say it again for me and the people in the cheap seats, because I have to reset myself every time I'm getting to this time of year, like going into February, March and in the fall, because I'm looking at that extended forecast and I am believing and it breaks right. my heart every single time. <laughs> yeah. And so I do think that, that that's important. Like, you know, three to five days, I think is a real sweet spot to really focus on. You know, do it I is. need to get home right now and start covering things or do I think I'm OK? Um, I also think when it comes to kind of one, you know, um, public service announcement, I guard for a lot of time for long years and didn't care about any of this. And I was a great gardener then. 
Yeah. You know? And so while I'm sure with information, right, you know, I would have been even better than great, you know, but it was just fine. And to be quite frank, I wouldn't change it, you know. So it takes time to be able to absorb this information to be like interested in it you know there there's so there's so much room you have in your brain to um retain these bits and still find what we're doing here interesting so it's okay if there's a part where you're like womp 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 is what you're hearing but know that um no matter what your apps say no matter what you know my favorite time and date um website says the best information piece is going to be you continuing to do it. You continuing to get out there because your experience is going to be the best one. Um, and if I, if I look back, I've never planted on the same exact date under the same exact conditions year to year. Right. Right. I'm just not no. that disciplined. I don't know that you really need to be that. Um, but what I can say is each time I've tried something, I'm taking away a piece of information and I'm kind of filing it away and it helps me make my next plan. Right. So, for instance, right now I'm looking at my weather um, and I'm looking 10 days out and I see like this weekend it's going to be 29 degrees. Mm -hmm. And I know within the next week I would I would like within the next two weeks, really, but really within the next week, I would love to plant my onions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So I look at it and I say, okay, it's going to be 29 degrees. Now, they're already outside. They're hardened off. They're fine in the pots. Right. But. I see, I look down and then I see for the next five days after that, the nighttime temperatures are 42, 47, mm-hmm. 50, 52. So if I skip that 29 degree day, which is, as a matter of fact, is the 15th of the month, which is when I had my target to plant them, then I know that I'm going to have at least supposedly five days of them getting comfortable in the ground before I need to worry about any kind of real cold mm-hmm. coming in. You know what I mean? Because when you take a plant out of a, of a plant cell or a seed cell, whatever you want to call it, when you pull that plant out and those roots become exposed, you've stressed it. When you grab that plant and you pull it, you've stressed it. When you dig that hole and you put that plant in it and the roots go get drugged down the ground, you've stressed it. When you've put it out there and you've hardened them off and all that, but now they're in the garden where there's more sun invariably than where it is, You've stressed it. So you have all these different stressors going on. So you want to give it time to recover. Mm -hmm. And even then, let's say I plant them and then five days later, we're going to get a 29 degree day. I could very well still cover them, especially if it's only going to be like one night and then allow them that extra time to get cozy in their spot and really set their roots and get going. Because once they get going and they get settled, you're good to go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of these different things to think about and it, it goes the same with like cabbages and broccoli cauliflower is not as frost t- tender as broccoli i've found you're right and purple vegetables are less frost friendly than green vegetables too by the way hmm. just read a scientific paper on that the other day yeah i did that <laughs> i didn't read the whole thing i'm gonna be straight up i read the intro the outro and the conclusion so um i didn't want to read all the data but i i trust them so it's just keep these things in mind when you move forward and you're going, cause I know that there's people out there, especially I am. And I know you probably are. You're itching to dig in the garden. Well, I, um, I want to start and keep going. That's why I give, that's why I'm actually a little bit slower to get out of the gate, to get outside. But I tell you that there was a great satisfaction in starting some seeds like indoors, right? When I saw some of those ceilings emerge, I said, okay, Mortimer, we're back. (laughs) So I just, I want to say this. um, I fertilized my kale seedlings the other day and they were kind of hurting a little bit. And then I came back two days later and they quadrupled in size in two days. It's crazy. Like I couldn't believe how big they got. It's a wonder. Yeah. And so that's a, one last thing, too, is fertilizing during these times. Be very careful fertilizing mm-hmm. because you're going to push new growth. And that new growth, if it's going to be cold right after that, it's going to be tender. Yeah, yeah. And so you could you could end up having that plant push growth and then burning it with the frost, even if it's frost hardy. So that's a really good point. You know, that's one of the 
what type of soil do you use and what type of fertilizer do you use is one of the common questions that I get on my YouTube channel. And it's interesting because I, I get the, the soil bit, especially because I, you know, I do a lot of container gardening, so I can get that. Um, and I find the fertilizer question interesting. And I always feel a little bit bad answering it's the truth, but it's kind of like, I know it's not what people are looking for. It's like, I'm terrible at fertilizing. I'll tell you, but I, I'm not even pretending that I'm doing it consistently. Um, and while I don't think generally, besides the scenario you, you describe, what I am doing isn't hurting, right? You know, um, I don't know how much um, of this production can be tr attributed to it. I guess I, I'm trying to kind of balance the idea of like, if you now use this, then it's all going to be good. And that's just not yeah. the way that I feel like gardening works. I'm still, I still have a bunch of question marks regarding um, fertilizing, but that, this isn't the place for it. No, it's not. But you know what this is the place for? The recipe of the day. All right, everybody. Before I give you the recipe of the day, I just want you to know that Batavia is a weather creeper on me. She just like flashed me my own weather as I was showing her my weather. So, so there are, um, we express love different ways in different ways. There are dream places that I have listed. There's a potential for me at one point to live in San Diego in my mind because it's, you know, kind of like it's equally yoked when it comes to weather um you know paris which i've been to before i keep that on my my list you know a few other places that are like vacation spot ideas and so on but the love comes across when i have my cousin who is like a brother to me i track their weather because i'm always concerned about them uh they're in florida and i have your weather not only because you know we garden together <laughs> virtually, but because you're a buddy of mine. And then I have my great aunt's weather who is in uh, Texas, you know, and things can go left, south and center there. Um, so instead of thinking of me as creepy, I would like you to think about me checking your weather throughout the week as an, as a show of love. <laughs> I don't find it creepy. It's okay. <laughs> that was right. really maybe to the people that are listening like, uh-oh. <laughs> so here's my recipe. So um, in the upcoming episode, you're going to hear us talk about basil a lot. So here, or not basil, pesto. So I'm going to give you a recipe using pesto. Um, what I do is it's basically noodles of whatever. I'm not a noodle connoisseur, so... They're all spaghetti noodles to me, but um, I think technically it's fettuccine noodles that we use sometimes, but we'll use spaghetti, angel hair, whatever. Um, any kind of sausage that you would like, so you brown it really good. Uh, we use a plant-based sausage, but whatever sausage you would like. Mushrooms sauteed with uh, a pound of mushrooms, and then two onions, four cloves of garlic, and then greens of any kind. So I haven't done this yet, but I'm, next time I make it, I'm going to use my mustard to see if I like the spiciness in it. I think I will. But spinach is obviously really good. Kale. Um, collards doesn't work as well unless you kind of pre-cook them a little bit. And then I use the ice cube trays. And so last time I made it, I used six or to make my pesto, excuse me. I used six cubes of pesto in it. Mix it all together. And then serve it up. Salt and pepper. That's about it. Super simple. Hmm. You don't look impressed. Well, I'm processing this and saying, I trust your your palate. But that doesn't sound like it. What do you mean? Like it doesn't sound, you know, tempting. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like I'm going to run out and, and pull those ingredients together. Um, yeah, but again, I trust your palate. We've made it without the sausage before, mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You have to put sausage in it. So. Is it the fat in the, in the sausage that, or the texture? Yeah, I think it's the texture. It's the crispiness if you get it, if you brown it real mm -hmm. good. It, it makes it, but it also gives it a little bit deep. Like we'll use a Italian flavored. So if we, like we use plant-based sausage, so if we can't find Italian flavor, we'll put fennel seed in it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to kind of give that flavor a little bit. But that kind of <laughs> is what brings it together. Um, I, in my 
now what two months I'm going to tell you my two month quest of um, trying to get myself organized and a lot of this is I know I will be feel better about my living living circumstances but it's also like oh I gotta get it ready for the garden season so I was I have my whole pantry now organized you know and I'm super excited about that uh, which lends itself to more cooking lends itself to you know diverse uh, plates and then I have my seasonings I mean container upon container upon container and I can now as you mentioned it remember googling how to turn sausage into Italian sausage or something so I put fennel seeds on my grocery list my buy list yeah. to my phone and when I was going through my seasonings I found fennel seeds and I'm like like I'm never going to use this I'm, whatever I did the thing I said I wanted to turn you know and it's a sausage Italian sausage I never did it yeah, so. you know those those eggplant recipe I gave a long time mm-hmm. ago about sausages we used a fennel seed for that that's why ah, we have it okay okay yeah, it gives it that flavor. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you don't want to use um, pasta, then use uh, spiralized zucchini noodles mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and just serve them cold. So I don't like cold food, but I'll mix the warm food with the cold zucchini noodles and it tastes it tastes mm-hmm. good. So you can try that as well if you're a low carb or whatever it is, Okay. which is what I'm trying to do. And I'm here to tell you, carbs are good. It makes up a lot of my diet. It's a shame. I'm struggling. I'm not ready to take on that shame. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so I hope everybody has. Um, you know, look, I know we came out and said that we were going to do an episode about our goals, but we kind of wanted to get this information out there a little sooner. Um, it seems pretty straightforward, but there is a lot of caveats the way to cheat the weather, I guess you can say. So use technology to your advantage. Yeah, man. And when I say technology, I mean plastic as well. Use it to your advantage. Because <laughs> they're absolutely the same thing. Um, but we'll be back next week with goals. We're not done with them yet. So no, no, we've got we've got them. And let me tell you, they're dynamite goals. I was telling my so hairstylist everybody. about a couple of my goals. So just so you know, garden goals in particular. So just so you know, I'm spreading the you word. You were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did. There you go. Look at you. Look at you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Can you do me a favor? Why don't we learn to grow and grow for change? So corny. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.